You know, I often tell my friends, and especially when they ask me, why do you live in Los Angeles? I would say, hypothetically, if Jesus had lived today, he would have lived in Los Angeles. Well, the reason being, not because of this, because, you know, Jesus was primarily known as a storyteller. And Los Angeles is the story capital of the world. I don't know if you know this, if you appreciate this, because most of you are born and bred here, so you wouldn't understand and appreciate the nature of the city you live in. But Los Angeles, and particularly Hollywood as a city, shapes the imagination, not of America, of the world. And this is from where the stories are branded, packaged, marketed all over the world. And I remember as a little kid in the 80s, growing up in India, in a town you won't even see in Google Map. Uh, and, and, and looking at the posters of Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and dreaming, like, you know, it's a, the power to dream and imagine and discover, and that's the power of the city, right? Now, the reason I'm saying this is that we are going to introduce today uh, some of the best storytellers you can see in this town. Now, Jim and Karen Cowell need no introduction. It will be even embarrassing if I try to introduce them because you know them more than uh, you know me, right? Now, this is part of a, true, uh, a new series we are doing just for three weeks called True Story. And we are trying to find the intersection between our stories and the greatest story ever told, which is the story, the cosmic story of Jesus' entry to this world and the story of the Bible. And we thought we will give you the best of the best. And Jim and Karen, as you know, Jim is a professional musician and Karen is, her main role is the founding director of Hollywood Prayer Network. They work with and they mentor a lot of young professionals from uh, Hollywood and they are authors and they are speakers and they are going to tell you a little bit about all of that. But one other thing that impressed uh, me the most, and I know them as friends and, you know, they have invited me and Joanne at their house and they've given us dinner and, uh, I mean, I'm just fortunate to have mentors like that in my life. But I remember... One of the things that we did at their house, I did at their house is, they run this uh, little workshop, I would call. It's a six-week workshop, and it is called J-Bomb. Yeah, you heard it right, B-O-M-B, you know, J-Bomb. And uh, basically, it's an evangelism workshop. Probably you will give, uh, you'll talk a little bit about that. But I remember there, sitting there, and all those weeks, there were at least 30 or something young professionals, all from Hollywood. I mean, they are all introducing each other. Oh, I'm from Paramount. I'm from Disney. Oh, I'm from Universal. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm from. I'm from Lake Avenue Church, right? But, uh, but this all are in their 20s and 30s, young professionals. And they are basically, uh, it was like their home. And the way they mentored these this young people and that workshop, the content of the workshop about evangelism and reaching out to a culture which is so antithetical to the culture uh, which is in the, or the story which is in the Bible was so impressed me. So I asked Jim and Karen, can you give us at least a teaser, a teaser trailer, you know, the movie people know what 
you know, they are good at giving trailers, right? So I asked them to give a 20-minute teaser or trailer of, of that workshop. And then hopefully, not hopefully, I really plan for this. When, you know, when all this COVID nightmares subside, uh, you know, then we can really do that all over the church. So that's my dream. But uh, before that, I'm going to read the scripture for them. Uh, would you stand with me for the reading of the word? Now, this is from a very short book of the Bible, and there is a lot of controversies about how to pronounce this name. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce the way Jim and Karen Kaval pronounce this. Philemon, right? Okay. Yeah, it doesn't stick well with me, but hey, you know. <laughs> uh, the epistle to Philemon, and it has only one chapter, so it's four to six. Four, the verse is four to six. And again, and this is from uh, what we call the old NIV version. This is not the NIV, typical NIV. This is a very old NIV version. And they wanted me to read it because they are not that young, right? Uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, here it is. Uh, Philemon chapter 1, 4 to 6. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters, here is Jim and Karen Kaval. Thank you, Matthew. It's great to be Thank here. Thank you, Matthew. We do want to point out that he was in the class where COVID hit after week three. So he did not finish. So I'm glad you're here today so you can get the end of it. That's okay? the reason he asked us to be here so he could get the end of the class. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cheap way to do that, Matthew. Very cheap. Karen, Karen and I have been married <clears throat> 13,822 days today. Hey. I... I, I, I I count the days because I renew her contract every 100 days is what happens. Yeah, but I'm a producer, so I can handle contracts. <laughs> so that's not a problem. In Hollywood, it's a long-term marriage if you actually make it to the reception. So we're trying to break all the rules. So, <laughs> so we're doing so well. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we are very glad to be here. We are so thankful that we've been invited today. And we are going to give you a shortened version. It's called a trailer. It's called... A pitch deck. A pitch deck, but it's also called a sizzle reel. A teaser. So a teaser, but we're going to give you the sizzle, you're the sizzle reel. Today, you're the right? sizzle and I'm the reel. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we like to start out slow and taper off. So. <laughs> That's right, so get ready. Uh, we have been teaching the J-Bomb class in our home for 31 years. In fact, our first class, I was pregnant on, when the class started. On week four, everybody said goodbye. And on week five, we had our baby and That's we right. kept going. I was holding so, Chris in the back of the room. So we have been doing this all the time. We've been raising our sons and it's a great joy. We just love it. We get excited because of this verse that sharing our faith isn't just to make people change. That shouldn't be the goal at all. That's not up to us. Jim often says to me when I'm frustrated with somebody who I don't see growth, he goes, Karen, there are no vacancies in the Trinity. So, all right. That's why I married the voice of the Holy Spirit. So <laughs> he tells me what to do, I do that. 
But we find that we love to share our faith because we change. We get excited about our Lord. We find out more about where we are with our, with our walk with Jesus. It builds us up. It shows us all the good things that we have in Christ. So we want to pass that on to you today so that you can leave and get excited about telling others about Jesus because you will be filled up. And that's what we do in our work. Uh, as a composer, uh, I write music for TV shows and films uh, and I have made it a, a, a goal in my life just to be genuine in everything that I do in my work with people in the industry. Karen is an independent producer as well. So we know that as we work in a place, we gain the respect of people to listen to us. We can't just come in to Hollywood as preachers or evangelists or apostles or anything. We won't gain respect that way. We'll gain respect from people who don't know the Lord if they see that we're good at what we do. We take our job seriously. We care about them. And then they start wanting to know more about what we believe. So we can start with our, um, our slides here. We're going to have those. We want to talk to you today about what we found the best way to share our faith is through stories. Jesus was the best storyteller. He's our role model. Everything he told, it was with stories. So we find that people listen. Facts go straight to the head, but stories go straight to the heart. And so that's why we approach it that way. So uh, we're going to talk about sharing your faith through the Marvel Universe today, I think. (laughs) Or the multiverse. I said we'll have multiverses up on the screen. (laughs) That wasn't funny. Uh, Well, I know, but I'm just trying things out. (laughs) It's been a while since I've been here. Uh, It is stories. Stories are so crucial. And Los Angeles is the city of the angels. What are angels? Angels are messengers. They send out stories. And that's why it's crucial, I think, for us, for us to be here as storytellers. So we did bring up the verse, Philemon, the next verse here, because to really know God's given us the gift of talking about him. When you fall in love with someone, you want to tell people about them. When you get a new car, you want to tell someone about it. You want to drive them in your car. Whenever something new comes into our life, whenever we experience something exciting, we want to tell people about it. So a friend of ours really challenged us years ago when she said, you know, I realized I get more excited about telling people about whitewater rafting than I do about Jesus. It really surprised her. Why would she get more excited about whitewater rafting than the God of the universe who has transformed her life? And it really, it really shook her. And so we thought, think about that. What do you get excited about telling people about? Are you not excited about the God of the universe who gave you joy and peace and love and salvation and eternal life? That's crazy good. So that's what we should be excited about telling people. So three stories that we've put it into, again into our J-bomb class. Their story, your story, and his story. It's, it's pretty simple to remember. Uh, I think we may have first heard of this idea from Marv Warman. Oh, that could have been. Which predates almost maybe Bray Ortland. Uh, it's, <laughs> we've been here a long time. Uh, so three stories, their story, your story, and his story. And then it always starts with the truth of prayer. We have to start with prayer. We're not the ones to convince anybody. We're not the ones to change anybody's heart. We're not the one to choose the right words. I know growing up in the Catholic church, when I, be, when I started getting into prayer groups where people actually prayed out loud, I thought, oh, I'm not going to say the right words. It's not going to sound good. I'm not going to be as holy as the rest of them. Words don't matter. God uses everything we do and we say for his glory. He turns it into good. We know people who became a Christian watching 
crazy television shows. Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard was one of them. It wasn't what they said. It was the Holy Spirit moving in them in a circumstance that made them ready to hear him. So don't worry about what you say to people. Ask the Lord through prayer. Give me the words to say. Give me the right attitude of my heart. That's the thing that gets people to really pay attention. And we find that wherever we are, we're entering our, our mission field. Uh, there was a, actually, we even tried to get a sign a, a, out here on the, at, the, at the going out point. Of the parking lot? Uh-huh. And Pasadena said we had too many signs. Too many signs. So, but, you're, yeah. but you're entering mission field wherever you go. And this sign, I had a friend of mine who's a set designer make this sign. And it's, it's right above the door of my office in Hollywood. So as I walk into Hollywood, I remember I am now entering my mission field. It's a reminder to go, this, this day is not about me. It's not about my list of things I have to get done. I am walking into a city of people who may never have heard about the Lord. And I better know through my actions, through my words, through anything, a part of me, that that can make a difference. Actually, at, at one point, we were talking to the U.S. Center for World Missions. They said Hollywood is actually an unreached people's group because they're not, they're, they're not accessible to, to outside change. They, they have their own language that they speak. They've got their own... They've gods got their, that they worship. They've got their own, their own gods the they Oscar, worship. Do you notice the Oscar, the Grammy, and the Tony are all gold-plated statues? <laughs> we thought that was pretty wild. So we want to tell you first just what we learned, the definition of witnessing. You know, you always think it's, we call evangelism the E word because it's kind of freaky and some people have the gift of it and some don't. And if you don't, phew, I don't have to do it then. But witnessing, we are all witnesses. So we found that the definition of witnessing is so not about us. It's only taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and then leaving the results to God. That's the best use of the Trinity. Or taking the initiative to help a person move one step closer in the process, not necessarily making the close. I, I like to put this like in terms of like steps one through ten. Like one, I, I don't know who Jesus is. I only know he's a swear word. Um, that's where we are. I, I haven't been to church. And, and you go, and maybe the next step is like someone told me about Jesus. Someone gave me a Bible. And finally over here at the end is number ten. I'd like to have Jesus in my life. Can you, do, can you tell me how to do that? From one to ten. So it's moving a person a step closer. Now, in, in our mission field, a lot of time, people are here at zero looking this direction. They don't want to know. So when we show up and we're in that place, it's like, wow, I, they've never met someone who's like, are you one of those born-againers? What is that all about? So move a person a step closer, not necessarily make the close. And there are also two extremes to Christianity. There are the people that won't say anything. If they're carrying a Bible, they turn it the other way so no one sees what it says and they just kind of leave me alone. <laughs> then there are the people who are out there, you got to hear about Jesus. The person on the, on, the, on the corner holding the sign, turn or burn, you know. There's a great Anne Lamott quote for that that we have there. It says, lighthouses don't go running all over the island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. If we stand there shining, now shining is the point. You can't just stand there. If we stand there shining, God can use us. Tell, we, I think you should tell the story about the general. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is very... <laughs> so on Santa Monica Boulevard years ago, I would go to work and every t- day that I went to work, there was a guy standing on the corner of Santa Monica and something. 
and he had a complete general's outfit on and he would hold up signs about Jesus. He would give Bible verses. He would tell people they're going to hell. He would remind people that Jesus is the only way. And every day I kind of went, oh my gosh, please don't do that. I'm so embarrassed as a Christian. And I would remember that. And But he was faithful and he was there every day. And I thought, somebody give this man a job, please. About 10 years later, I had a young actor come into my um, office and I was telling him about our community and everything. And I said, how'd you become a Christian? He said, well, it's kind of a funny story. He said, I used to take the bus to work down Santa Monica Boulevard. And every time I passed this one corner, there's this crazy guy dressed like a general who kept holding up these weird signs. And he said, I'd look at them and I go, what is that about? And he goes, one day he had this thing that said John 3, 16. And I asked somebody what that is. They said, oh, that's a Bible verse. He said, so I read it. And he goes, I became a Christian because of the general. And I went, oh, no. (laughs) We are not advocating you stand on Santa Monica Boulevard or on Lake Avenue with a sign. Although Matthew John, maybe that would be an idea. That could be the next step here. But the fact is God uses everybody. He uses anybody who's willing. As wild or crazy as it is, take a chance. Take a risk. Say something. It won't hurt because God turns things into good. Isn't that a great thing to know? So their story, the power of asking questions. Uh, how do you find out the, their story? We're all, in, we're all in community. We're all in connection. We need to ask people about their story to find out who they are. We, we, we really persuade by asking questions. And asking questions is the first thing in finding out their story. What was your spiritual life growing up? Did your parents take you to church? Uh, what was it like for you? Find out their spiritual, find out their, find out their, their story. Very, very important. There are some bold questions that we can ask people that we just don't think about. So we have a couple of ideas, but any question you ask allows someone to tell you a little bit more about themselves. You want to learn their story. For instance, do you have faith questions you've never gotten good answers to? Where do you, where in your life do you find it most difficult to believe in God? Assuming God does exist, what are two questions you'd like to ask him? What's one of the hardest things in the Bible for you to believe? What do you find most annoying about Christians you have met? Go for it. <laughs> Let him tell you. We don't have to get defensive. We're all crazy. So we just give him a chance to say it. <laughs> I love it. There's a crazy they're, they're, one right there. I love no, it. You're agreeing that maybe you and I. <laughs> we are too, believe me. Ask people questions. All you can do is get answers to teach you more about who they are. It can help you know how to pray for them. It can get other conversations. It can remind you of a book that they may like to read. It may trigger you to think, wow, you know, that's something to think about that I haven't thought about before. Now, in Hollywood, the most critical question you can ask, Um, what was your relationship with your father like? And that is the question that you see in every movie and every television show from Finding Nemo to The Godfather to Tony Stark. Somebody's got a bad relationship with their father and they're trying to work that out in their movies and their storytelling. And when you want to find out... if Now, this is not the first question you ask when you're on the plane. (laughs) So what was you like to live with your father? Uh, How how often did he beat you? Uh, You want to find out who they are because... In, in general, for the most part, our concept of our Heavenly Father 
relates to our earthly father in many, many, many ways. And it's not surprising that people can't embrace a heavenly father if they had a bad earthly father. Why would they want somebody like that? So we get to learn that and, sh- and talk about different things about who he is besides just a father. He's a comforter. He's a friend. He's wise. He's, well, there's so many different ways, but it helps to know somebody's background, to know how we can have conversations about God with them. We also then have your story. We then, after we get to know somebody, get to tell them our story. Sometimes they may even ask. We've had people say to us after weeks and weeks of talking to them, oh, wow, I haven't asked you anything about yourself. If we had a friend in ministry, she was in 20... No, she was in 13 weddings as either a bridesmaid or the maid of honor, and they didn't any of them know that she was actually in ministry. She was on Campus Crusade staff. They had no idea. She cared about them. She loved them. They became friends. They never asked her what she did. 13 weddings. People don't think to ask questions. They don't think to know. But when they do, you want to be ready. And your story, when we first started out talking about, about telling your story, and the, and the old model was get your, get your testimony into a three-minute story. Okay, three minutes was good 30 years ago. Now you've got to get it down to a tweet. Uh, it's got to be 120 characters because people just, their attention span is very, very, very short. You've got to get it, we call it the elevator pitch. That means when you get, on the, when you get in the elevator with a person on the first floor, by the time you get to the 10th floor, you need to have, have told your story or at least told enough of your story that makes people want to ask more questions about, your, about who you and what you are. You want them to get out of the elevator with you on the 10th floor so that they say, now, wait a minute, I want to know more about that. What did you mean? We just want to let people know that our life has been transformed. We are so not perfect. We are, remember when Denny Balesi was here, he said, we are all a piece of work. We are. So it's not about us. It's not about, do we have our act together? Am I being good as a Christian? No. You know what? I need the crutch. Sign me up. I need him desperately, and that's right where he wants me. My elevator pitch is I came from a very bizarre, politically incorrect sort of family. I came from a functional family. No. Yes, I did. <laughs> I came from a functional family. And people in Hollywood say, like, that's the bizarre story I've ever heard. Nobody comes from a functional <laughs> family. That's not possible. My I sister say- still, we've been married 37 years, still does not believe that my husband came from a functional family. How is that possible for anybody? Uh, but that's enough to say like, okay, we, uh, we, loved, we loved Jesus. We had brought our boys up to, to, to follow Jesus. And, and that's what we're all about. And people say like, so how does, that, how does that work? Just enough to tell them your story to get them to move to the next step. And then when you tell them your story, then you got to go to his story. And his story is, what is the story of God? What does he want for us? Why did he send his son here? Who is he? We have to learn what his story is. And we have to be able to say it in a way that doesn't get into all kinds of complicated things. It's just the bottom line. He created the world. He created all of us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son to come and show us that he's willing to give up his life for us. We're that valued. And if we turn to him, he can give us everything that he has planned for the people that he has here on earth. And we don't want to miss it. It's a very easy, simple story. You can get into scripture. You can get into theology. You can get into all of that, depending on the person. But the bottom line is, do we really know how to tell the simple story of God? A couple of quick, easy tools. We love to give Bibles to people. 
Giving Bibles to people is a great, great, easy thing to do. I, we put their name. We have a Karen has a we Bible. We should start giving phones to people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Karen has a Bible stamping machine, uh, and we put people's name on the outside of it. And when they get the Bible, it's like, my name is on, on the outside of this. I can't give this away. Uh, and, and, and then I always, almost always, I put a post-it note in the book of John that says, start here. Because, man, if they start in Genesis, by the time they get to Leviticus, they are history. <laughs> They're reading about history. It's not that interesting right now. Uh, so uh, giving Bibles is a very easy way. And we've probably given out hundreds of Bibles to yeah, people. Yeah, we love it. It's really fun. There was a lady we gave a Bible out to. And about three years later, we, we didn't see her that often in between. And she said, hi, I, I still have the Bible. It's by my bed. I have I haven't read it yet, but I know right where it is. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> when we started teaching our class, one of the things people would give their testimony, and we started collecting these testimonies, and inevitably, half of the people in the class would say, you know, I, I, I strayed away. I didn't know where I was going, and I pulled off the dusty Bible on my shelf. There was a man that was a member of the KKK, and he was about ready to kill himself because he realized his life was desperate. He was alone. He was, in, he was in no way in any shape to do anything but kill himself. And he literally looked up at the Bible that someone had given him, and he pulled it off the shelf, and it changed his life because someone had given him a Bible. We also, um, years ago, taught a class here from, with Roger Bosch, who is our role model. We want to be like Roger and Lily when we, we grow do. up. We do. When we grow up, we want to be like yeah. Roger and Lily. We told them that. But we, in the class, we gave people a Starbucks challenge. We gave them a $5 Starbucks card and said, now go out, invite one person to Starbucks, buy them a cup of coffee, and just ask them questions. Find out their story. Tell them your story. If you get a chance, tell them his story. If not, go out and do it again. Go out and spend time with people. One of the amazing things that the, that the famous Louis Zamperini did once he became a Christian, joined Hollywood Presbyterian Church and started a senior citizens ministry that had 500 active senior citizens. And he assigned each of them to a young person in the church to invite them over for dinner to spend time with them, to get to know them, to walk through life with them. Transformative ministry. If you would all invite a young person, people are hungry for mentors. They're hungry for somebody to listen to them, for a parent. LA is called the city of orphans because so many people here are alone. They don't have parents. They don't have family. Invite somebody over. Be bold. I guarantee you they're going to say yes. Or maybe they'll say no the first time. And then the second time they'll say yes. Don't give up. Bring people into your lives and share your life with them. I, I said to Karen when we were putting this talk together, I said, I think the, the, one of the main things I want to say to the congregation at Lake Avenue, in the, we have, there's a lot of seniors here. The primary asset that you have is the ability to bring, invite young people into your house. And they, they are desperate. In fact, okay, when we, have people, when, we have, when we invite young people to our house, they say, like, nobody's ever invited me to their house. Or a home-cooked meal. This tastes so good. Just wild things. We have people, we pray grace and they cry. But we have no idea the hunger that people have for connection with another person. You can meet outdoors. Don't be afraid of this time. Think of all the people who are alone. People especially during this time, need somebody to care about them. They need somebody to reach out to them. That's telling God's story. And it's maybe just memorizing one verse. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, 
you can come into relationship with him. I promise, again, in this culture, you memorize one verse, they think you're a biblical scholar. It doesn't take that much effort. (laughs) Just a verse or two. It's pretty easy. And and also, I love to say, if you're you're gonna start, I love apologetics. I'm a big fan of Hugh Ross and everything that Hugh Ross does. I've read, I think, every book that he's, and I've given a gazillion Hugh Ross books out. And I'm going through Hugh Ross books with, with several young people at this moment. But if you're going to start with apologetics, usually that means that you need to start with an apology. I'm sorry the church hurt you. I'm sorry that they said something that, you, that, that made you angry. I am sorry for what people do. I want to tell you about Jesus. You start with an apology. We don't have to defend the Lord. He's big enough. But we can apologize for something we or somebody else may have done that hurt them. We know so many young people who have turned away from God because of church hurt. Church hurt. We don't know when the enemy's using us. And I know we're the same as everybody else here. We have said things that have hurt people. So let's just start with an apology. And finally, I, I, uh, the truth. The truth is that none of this is useful without prayer. Prayer isn't preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And I know that's where we start. It's praying, for, it's praying for the people that, that are in our neighborhood. It's praying for people uh, that come across our path in any way. This is where it has to start. And we can be bold with it. Um, I have my offices for the prayer network are on the campus of the First Presbyterian Church of Hollywood. And they have a lot of film shoots on their campus. It's a gorgeous old brick church. TV shows, films, commercials, they love the look of it. So I started a location prayer team and I got members of the church to all be a part of this team. We've made signs and when a location shoot comes on campus, the whole crew, the whole cast, everybody comes on and we have signs saying, welcome to campus. We're here to pray for you. Let us know if you need prayer. We just do it boldly. And then we have people praying the whole time that they're on that campus. It's a wonderful way for people to say, you know what, welcome and we're praying for you. We were having dinner with some young people last night, and they were talking about that they had gone to a zoo in Kansas. And it was a very small little zoo, but on the, on the upper, uh, above the zoo, as you, as you went in, it said, um, <clears throat> need a prayer? We do that too. So a zoo and a prayer. <laughs> it works. <clears throat> you can, there's, there's so many creative ways and things that you can do that people are desperate People are desperate to hear. They're desperate for someone to pray with them. And I would encourage you to pray with them right then. Don't, don't wait. Just can I pray for you right now and just do it there. We learned that from Mark Neuenschwander when he was here. He was our college pastor. And he said he realized he would tell a lot of people, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. He said it sounded almost like being, hi, how are you? When you don't really even care about the how are you part. It's just something that he said. And he said, I stopped and said, I'm going to pray for them right there. And so instead of saying, I'll pray for you, he said, let me pray for you and started praying for people. We have done that forever. We don't leave a conversation. We don't let people leave our house at night. We don't leave a meeting without saying, let's just end this in prayer. Let's just give it to God. Let's just not make think it's up to us. Let's have it up to him. Because we know that people are desperate. And at times uh, they will, people will come across their path and they will push them away, but then they'll cry out in prayer. We um, had a story that really impacted us. A friend of ours who was in uh, Campus Crusade Ministry was on campus in Colorado, and she said one of the things that she just had to do, being on Campus Crusade staff, crew, 
was to go out and have those little booklets and share them with people on campus. If you ever remember the four spiritual laws that people used to use. And she went on campus one day and she was saying, Lord, just lead me to the right person, whoever it might be. And Susie said, she saw this guy standing by himself. So she went up to him and she said, hi, can I talk to you? She said, I just want to tell you if you're, if you're interested about God, I have this little book and I'd love to just talk it through with you. Is that okay? And he looked at her and he said, yeah. And she started on the first page and she said, does this make sense? And he said, yeah. She went to the next page. She went all the way to the end where she said, would you like to pray this prayer and have God come into your life? And he said, yes, but I have to tell you something. I had three other people on campus through the year come to me. And he said, the first one I pushed away. The second one I let to get to page one. The second one, the third one, I let get to page two. I pushed them all away. Last night, he says, I said to God, would you send me one more person? He said, now I'm ready. Those other three people, they didn't know they had any impact. They were like number two, number three, number four, number six. They moved him one step closer without any understanding. They're going to find out in heaven. But they didn't know here. She happened to be the one who got a chance to lead this young man to the Lord because she was faithful, because she was bold. She did one more thing. She asked one more question. She turned one more page. You don't know where people are in their lives. You don't know how they're hurting. You don't know what they need. Let's be bold. Let's be risk takers. Let's be radical like Jesus. We've got to make a difference in our lives. If he's in our heart, let's know that we have a purpose to be shining lights, to be, to be the voice of Jesus to somebody who needs to hear the truth with love, with grace, with understanding, but don't be afraid. Let us pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have put us in a place where people are desperately looking for you. They desperately want to have a relationship with someone, with some, some way to reach out, Lord. Use us. Bring people across our path. Open our eyes, open our ears to the hurting people around us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you, it's your desire to bring wholeness and healing into people's lives. And Lord, we pray for each person here in person, on Zoom, wherever you are. Lord, would you touch all of our hearts? Would you fill us up new and fresh? Lord, we want to pray to share our faith so that we will get a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We want to understand the gift that you've given to us and we want to share it to others. Touch all of us today. Let us be different than we came. Let us get excited about really knowing that we can make an eternal difference just by showing up each day. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you that we have the gift of you and we want others to know it too. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. Well, I am supposed to do a pastoral wrap-up. I don't know how can...
I add anything to what they said, I can't even summarize. But I want you to know one thing, and I remember attending that J-Bomb class and came back home, and I told Joanne, you know, Jim and Karen have been married, and now I know 37 years and so many days. And one thing that really stuck out to me throughout that class was the way when they were doing, this is exactly how they did that class, they, the way they were looking at each other, the way, the way they complete the, each other's sentence, and the way they tease each other. They make the jokes, you know, uh, at each other. Uh, and I could see the story they share, uh, this greater story is impacting their own life. It, it changed them as much as it changed other people. So I want you to have that too. And I told Joanne, I remember that. I, that. That's what I want to be at us, you know, after 37 years or how many years of marriage we can have. So I just want you to take it to, uh, to heart. And exactly the key note of that verse is that, right? Like, you know, you may be active in sharing your faith so that we, you know, we will have a full understanding of what we have in Christ. Every good thing we have in Christ. So it is also about us. I just wanted to share the story behind the story of the book of Philemon because I was talking about stories, right? The story of the book of Philemon too, just in a couple uh, minutes or so. See, Philemon, the book of Philemon is probably one of the shortest books in the Bible, uh, but it has such an intriguing plot, uh, the story of Philemon. So this is a story, okay? So there is this guy named Philemon. <laughs> he was a very wealthy aristocrat and a Christian. Uh, and not only he was a Christian, he was the pastor or a bishop of a church that meets at his own house. So he is the leader of the church. He is the elder of the church, Philemon. Very wealthy man, very respected man. Now, he had a slave named Onesimus. Now, this is first century Rome, okay? It was very common for, it was part of the economic structure of Roman Empire to have slaves. So, he had a slave named Onesimus. Now, Onesimus left Philemon and he ran away. And we don't know why he did it. Some people say that he stole something and ran away. Some people say that he ran away because he wanted freedom. So he was, Onesimus was a runaway slave. Now here is where plot thickens. This Onesimus who ran away ended up in prison. And guess who meets in prison? Paul, who happened to be the pastor of Philemon. Okay, now this is like a Hollywood story, right? Onesimus end up in prison. There is Paul. Paul has a long rap sheet, right? He's in and out of prison all the time, Paul, right? And, and in that con, con, uh, conversation between Paul and Onesimus, Onesimus becomes a Christian. Now, Paul has a moral dilemma. Now Onesimus was a slave, now he's a Christian, now he is with me. Onesimus wants to journey with Paul in ministry, and Paul also wants to go with Onesimus, but then he has a moral dilemma because technically speaking, Onesimus is still the slave of Philemon. So, what do we do? You know, what do we do? Now Paul does the unthinkable. Paul did exactly opposite of what I would have done. He, he asked Onesimus to go back to his master. Really, Paul? Is that what you do? Thank God there was no social media. 
There was no cancel culture. Nobody created any issue about that. But here is the twist though. This is, this is where it is interesting. So Paul sends Onesimus, who is the slave, back to his master instead of asking him to go free. But, but he gives a letter in the hand of Onesimus to be given to Philemon. Now that is the letter we read, the book of Philemon. Now in that book, in that letter, this is what's very clever, how clever the scripture is or Paul is, right? So this is verse 1, verse 10 says, so this is Paul writing to Philemon through Onesimus. This is what Paul says. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. The person who carries this letter, Philemon, is my son, is a child I begotten when I was in prison. Now, I, I don't have sons and I have two daughters. And if I send my daughters to any of you, with a letter saying that this is my daughter Hannah or Emma and if you don't treat them well and you can harass me, you can, <laughs> you can treat me bad but if you don't treat my children well and you will know the real color of me, right? Now, the relationship changed and asking this Onesimus to go back but saying to Philemon, Paul says that this is not the same slave. This is my son. This is my son. Okay? And then comes to verse 16. It says, You would have him back forever. I'm giving back to you. He is your slave. But no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, both in the flesh and in the Lord. <laughs> So it is not some metaphoric, oh, you're a brother in Christ. Like, you know, we say brother in Christ. No, 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 no. Not just brother in Christ, not in the Lord, in flesh as well. See, this is the difference between the justice system or the, or the way we revolutionize the world from the cultural perspective and the scriptural perspective. Culture can only talk to systems and the, and the structures. And it should speak to that. And we should understand that. We should appreciate that. But the scripture goes deep beneath it. And it radically changes the perspective. Or it rewrites the story. The book of Philemon started as a story of a master and a pastor and a slave. But then it ends as a story of a father and a son and a brother. Now that's what we call changing the narrative. <laughs> you hear that all the time in culture. You change the narrative. The scripture went deep below it. Paul and Jesus did the same thing too. Went deep below it and changed the narrative or rewrote the story. Now it is a story between a father and a son and a brother. All I'm saying to you right now is that as Jim and Karen Cowell reminded us to tell our story and be inquisitive enough to know their story 
And all of this find meaning in the bigger story of the Lord. And the moment God steps into your story, I'm telling you, your story is about to change. And the problem is that we don't surrender, right? We want to hold on to our story. We want it to be, especially in in the Western world, we want to be the self-made entrepreneurial people. We want to write our own stories. We want to make our own destiny. That is all good and fine. But unless and until you step into God's story, nothing is going to change in your life. Nothing is going to change in your family. Nothing is going to change in this world. And we're telling you, it is a repeated, a trivial attempt to change things without radically having that, experiencing that change in ourselves. Now that is the story of the book of Philemon. God rewriting the story. As I am closing in prayer, I want you to think about your own life and I want you to reflect your own life today. Some of you might be wondering, my goodness, my story doesn't make any sense. This episode or this particular subplot in my story. And I feel like Onesimus. I am either being a slave or I am in prison. There is no freedom for me. And I'm stuck. And I'm telling you. The moment you give your story to Jesus. The greatest story ever told. The greatest storyteller ever lived. Is going to come and rewrite your story. Would you surrender your life to him? And so that your story will inspire the world. And from Los Angeles, it's going to go all over the world. It is going to radically alter the paradigm in which the society is going to operate if only the church changes our own story. Let's pray. Father God, We are tired of changing the world. We are tired of changing our own, our own little world, our own little lives. And we pray, as we heard very clearly today, everything starts with prayer. And unless and until you channel the power of your Holy Spirit into our lives, nothing is going to change. So Lord, today, and we hand over this writing quill into your hand. You write the story. You take over the keyboard. You type our story. You create the plots and subplots so that it will have a greatest climax because you are the one who directs the final climax. You are the one who writes the last chapter of the story. And so we thank you for the fact that the greatest storyteller ever lived is in our life. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for coming to church today. And I'm very excited. Next week, we have our young adults and our own uh, Pastor Beth Pass will be sharing the true story part two. I'm very excited for next week. Uh, just before I say the benediction, if you watch my update video this week, I kept a, like a suspense <laughs> an announcement. So I have, I'm obliged to reveal that to you. So I said, I asked you to mark your calendar for May 21, 2022, which is a Saturday. And I did not tell what it was about. Okay. So I don't know if you have a, a slide, if it is not. Oh yeah, that's, that's there. So we are going to do a one day conference on science and faith. It happened to be our theme. It is generally on outreach and evangelism on May 21st, 2022. Now, this year, the theme is going to be on science and faith. We have great speakers, and I only have the pictures of two of them, but we have many of them coming. Our own Dr. Emily Ross, you already know her from the COVID uh, program we did at the kitchen table. Then the other gentleman you see, uh, General Larry James, is the director, the interim director of JPL which means he is the CEO, if I'm right to explain him that way. Yes, that right. He is, the, he is the man who controls the whole JPL, NASA, the whole Mars mission on top of everyone right now. Now, he is going to come and speak to us. He's a committed Christian, wonderful human being, and he has given us our... So he is going to be our keynote speaker. So I want you to keep that in mind. Now, this is going to come with a continental breakfast and a gourmet lunch. So there is a charge to it. But if you, right now, if you register, there is an early bird discount. You can go to our website. You have all the information. And more importantly, I want you to use this as an opportunity to invite other people. We want this to be an interchurch event. This is not just a Lake Avenue event. We are hosting it. My dream would be something like, you know, have you heard about Global Leaders Summit? Like in a global leader summit, right? Every year, we look like church put it, but puts it together. But actually, it has its own entity. Like you know, it, it involves people from elsewhere. So we want to. I, I, my dream is in, in, you know, five years from now or two years from now, it doesn't matter. It would be a, a conference every church in America, if not the world, look forward to. There's this church called Lake Avenue putting together a yearly conference on outreach and evangelism, something contemporary, cultural, culturally related topic. So I just want you to pray through it. I want you to take it seriously. I want you to invite other people, people of other church and get them involved. Okay. So you will get more information, but I want to arrange, release it right now because we have only around four months to plan it. So please keep that in your prayer. Now, uh, we have our prayer team here, as you know, if you need prayer and also in the, uh, in the room outside, if you're a little shy to come to the front to, for prayer, that we have a team of people praying in our prayer room. And also we have a connecting table. Please remember that you've been part of the church and get connected to the community and how to be part of the church life here. Okay. Remember that. Now, as you live, may you be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that you have in Christ. Now go and tell your story. God bless you.